I'm going to preach a message today, and you're probably thinking, oh man, what did pastor prepare for his resurrection message, his Easter message? Uh, can I tell you, it may not be what you think. It's not a traditional message. I, I tend to try to get creative on these special Sundays, and I pray that it would minister to you. Um, I want to I'm going to land firmly on Scripture, and you know me, I will, I will bring it back to God's Word, and I'll hammer that home, but, but the way we get there is going to be a creative way, and, and I want you to hang in there with me. I want you to try to follow me and, 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 and see what God might reveal to you through it, but first, let's, let's start where we were. That way we can get everybody on the same page, and that is, we ask the question, what is truth? What is truth? You go, Pastor, that's a huge question. What is truth? Well, today, we, we have a very interesting thing going on. We have the full bloom of the philosophy of relativism alive and well in our country, meaning, meaning society is now saying, well, listen, what's true for me may not be true for you, and what's true for, for you may not be true for them, and what's true for them may not be true for her or him. Or whoever, and so we live in a society that is openly accepting the notion of relativism or subjective truth, meaning there's no absolute truth, and if there is, there's no way we can know it because we're imperfect. And so I want to ask these questions. I want to ask, and we're going to answer them today, is truth objective? Can truth be objective? What do I mean by objective? What do I mean by subjective? Well, before we get there, I want to remind you that Jesus came to a society that was, that was very similar to ours. Rome had already dealt with a lot of the things we're just now dealing with in terms of these questions of what is truth, and, and they had come to the idea that truth is subjective and what's true for me is not true for you and all this, and that's why when Jesus comes in and he steps in to this world and starts speaking in terms of absolute, saying, I am the truth. I am the way. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's a very, very concrete, absolute statement, wouldn't you say? And he would say, not only am I the truth, but you, when you get to know me because I'm the truth, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. He came saying, I'm going to set people free. As a matter of fact, he said things like this, I have come to set the captives free and to preach salvation to the lost, to those that are dead, I will give life because I am the truth. And when he's speaking this way, he made a lot of people mad. As a matter of fact, they killed him for it. And so now he's talking to a Roman governor and as he starts to talk about this truth, the Roman governor kind of scoffs at him and says, what is truth? Pilate looks at him and goes, what is truth? You're sitting here talking like you know truth. Nobody knows truth. What's truth, truth? Your truth? My truth? Their truth? Whose truth? You see this, this difference? Well, Jesus says, I am the truth, the way, and the life. You go, okay, I get it, but, but you said something earlier. You said that we're flawed. We're limited. Our perception is very, very very limited. How can we claim to know what God knows? I never said we could claim to know what God knows. I said we could know of God and we could know what God has revealed to us. That's what he'll hold us responsible. 
we got to let God be God. As a matter of fact, the Bible says this, that he is high above us. In the, book of, in the book of Isaiah, watch this. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Isn't that true? My thoughts are not your thoughts. Come on, how many of you could say, God, thank you because you don't think like me? Come on, how many of you can honestly say, thank you because you don't think like me? How many of you lose your temper way too fast? How many of you are way too sarcastic? How many of you are not giving enough? How many of you hold grudges? Can you imagine if God was like us? We'd be in some serious trouble. So thank you, Lord, that you don't think like me. And this is what he says. My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And so I I illustrated this last week by introducing you to to the newest family member in the Pena household, Alexio. How many of you remember meeting Alexio? How many of you have not yet met Alexio? Raise your hand if you haven't met Alexio yet and would like to meet him. Alexio is going to come in in just a second. Alexio is is our new bulldog puppy. And he is an amazing little dude, but he's a true bulldog. He's hard-headed. Come on, Lexi, Alexio. You might have to pick him up, Cody. He's not having it. And he's getting stronger and stronger. He's like, I ain't doing it. I'm not doing it. And hold him up here, honey. You can hold him up here. This is, these are my two boys right here. You might hold him, hold him tight because he will. Hi, baby boy. Now, Alexio, he gets confused. He thinks sometimes that I want to hurt him when I don't want to hurt him. How many of you know... Um, we get confused with God and we go to give him a bath and he, in his mind, he swears we're trying to kill him. And Alexio, he wants to do what he wants to do. I shared this last week. He wants to poop where he wants to poop. He wants to eat when he wants to eat. He wants to pee where he wants to pee. He wants to chew where he wants to chew. He wants to lay down where he wants to lay down. He wants to destroy what he wants to destroy. Alexio has a mind of his own. Someone said, kind of like my teenager. You know, but can I say that Alexio doesn't realize that I'm actually trying to save his life? Because if he starts pooping in mama's house, come on, it's not going to be good. She's going to get rid of him and me. So what, what Alexio doesn't realize is that my ways are not his ways. And he may not understand it, but, but something interesting, uh, you must send Alexio on. Oh, go, 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 go now. Go. What, he, what, he, what, what I'm starting to realize is the more he gets to know me, in one week I've been spending some time with him, he's been getting to know me more. Guess what he's doing? He's trusting me more. Come on, how many of us know the more we trust, God, the more we get to know God, the more we walk with him, the more we talk with him, the more we get to understand who he is, the more we will trust him. So you say, but I'm not a dog. No, you're not. But I'm a little higher than Alexio, aren't I? It doesn't compare to how much higher God is than me. So what I'm trying to say is if Alexio can't understand us, how can we truly understand God unless we spend time with him and get him and and, and allow him to reveal himself to us? And you say, okay, well then what has he revealed to us and how can we truly know it? Now I'm going to use a very simple illustration 
Actually, it's not so simple. It's, it, it, it's, it's from a movie, my favorite movie. Actually, my favorite movie is Passion of the Christ, but my second favorite movie is Inception. Now, some of you are going, what? You go from Passion of the Christ to Inception? How does that happen? Are you even saved? <laughs> Can saved people watch Inception? You know, hey, listen, it's not that bad. How many of you have ever seen Inception? Raise your hand. I'll pray for y'all. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Raise your hand. You know, some people, I'm not admitting that in church. Relax. You're not getting, how many of you have not seen Inception? Okay, before you start getting on me like first service, what's wrong with y'all? This is a great movie. Let me just share with you a couple of things about Inception. It was a blockbuster sensation. It was nominated for four Academy Awards. Actually, it won four and nominated for four more that it didn't win. It broke all kinds of records. It was written by Christopher Nolan. He also co-produced it and he directed it. It's a, it's a brilliant film if you've never seen it. Now, before you get on me like First Service did and say, hey, pastor, wait, wait, don't give away the ending. Hey, I can't help you. It, was, it, it came out in 2010. Okay, so if you haven't seen it, you're not going to see it. Or you're probably going to need to see it if you want to see Inception 2, which releases in 2020. Oh, yeah. So... Inception is a, is a fabulous movie. Now you say, well, what's it about? Tell me. It's about a group of operatives. This is, this is them, basically. You've got uh, uh, the, the operatives that, that engage in corporate, corporate espionage. They are hired by corporations to steal the secrets of other corporations. And the way they do it is you find a board member, an official, a, uh, an, an individual who has these secrets and you find out where he keeps them by getting into his brain. You get into his mind and, and you, you go through the subconscious in a dream state. And they use technology in the film that was developed for the military. It's technology that the military would use to train uh, uh, their soldiers in combat. Because they could go into a dream state, share the dream, and begin to fight against each other. Now this is the thing. Before they could be a dream, you got to construct the dream, and that's where the architects come in. These guys are architects and techies that help the military develop this technology. But now they've taken it, and they're using it in the corporate air arena for espionage, to spy. So basically, this is the way it goes. I want you to extract a secret from one of my competitors so that I can gain a competitive advantage in, in my particular uh, uh, a field, okay? So that's it. Then there's a twist that takes place. The twist is someone wants to hire them not to, not to steal a secret, but to implant one. Hence the name Inception. I don't need him to, I don't need anything from him other than I need this particular, he's my biggest competitor. He's about to die and he's going to give his company to his son. His son's going to take it and they will, they will dominate unless you can convince him that his dad wanted him to split the company up, sell it so that we could buy it. Mm. You have to give him the idea in such a way that there's no way he could feel that he was being manipulated. You have to, you gotta 
you got to do what's called inception. So you go into his dreams and you'll, you'll take over his dreams and there you'll find where you can do this. How many of you know there's something else going on on top of this? There's another underlying thing that the main character, Dominique Cobb, is played by Leonardo. He is one of the main ones that goes in, extracts, and, 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 and does the inception. He also has his own things that he's dealing with. He has past hurt, emotional hang-ups, and, 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 he, and, and he has some emotional tragedies that he's working through. And so you have both these storylines taking place at the same time. Now stay with me on this because it's going to make sense in a second. Now, Christopher Nolan writes the, 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 the story in such a way that when you are performing Inception, you cannot go to the first dream level. You've got to go to the third, fourth, fifth, and go down deep enough, creating different levels of reality. Okay, what do I mean by reality? Different levels of what is real. And so they're always asking the question, what's real? What's not real? And it's really important to kind of keep up with what's real. So this has been such a phenomenon that people invite Mr. Nolan, the writer, to come and talk to their, to their universities about this film, to talk about what's going on. And he has said things like this. He has said, he has said that truth is subjective. Reality is subjective. But, but wait a minute, what do you mean by subjective and objective? Let me put it to you this way. Last week I gave you an example. I said, I said my car, my truck is a Toyota. Is that an objective truth? Yes, it is. And I'll tell you why. Because the fact of whether my car is or is not a Toyota is grounded in the object. You can look at my car and say, is it a Toyota? Did it come from a Toyota manufacturer? It did. So that is an objective truth. But what if I say, my Toyota is the hippest, coolest, most awesome car, truck. Now, the fact as to whether or not it's the hippest, coolest, most awesome truck is not grounded in the object, it's grounded in the what? In the subject, that's me. I'm a subject. It also, it's also grounded in each and every subject, in what they think is cool and awesome. What I think is cool and awesome. Watch, let me put it to you this way. Not everybody might agree with me. How many of you think Toyotas are the hippest, coolest, most awesome trucks? Raise your hand. Yeah. Okay, how many disagree? <laughs> Do you see what I'm getting at? I've got all my Chevy and Ford guys going, yeah, I don't agree with that. I got my Ram guys, my, my Dodge guys going, nah, I don't agree with that. And, and I even had a, a, a Nissan guy go, yeah, I have a Titan. I'm like, well, I can't help you. I'm sorry. <laughs> you can always trade that one in. But what I'm trying to tell you is, see, truth is objective based on the object or the subject. When God gives a truth, it's not an opinion. Why? Because he doesn't move. He doesn't change. He is perfect. And so it's based on him as the object. That means it's objective. It's absolute. You go, but I don't know if I can, I can get with that. Let me, let me put it to you this way. Someone said, these plants are green. That's an objective truth. 
Somebody else might say, no, no, pastor, that's not true. Because what about the person that's colorblind? Ah, somebody's going, oh, good point. Not so quick. Think further. Think further with me. What about the person that's blind? What about the person that's never seen this plant? What about all these things? Okay, let me put it to you this way. Whether a person is colorblind, sees it, is aware of it, ignorant to the fact, doesn't really matter. It's based on the object, and this plant is green. As far as we know greenness and have defined greenness. Now, I don't want to get too philosophical for you, but I do want to share this with you. Okay, let me put it to you another way. Gravity, before we knew what gravity was, did it cease to exist? Were we all floating around here? No, it is objective. Gravity exists. It's a fact. Before we knew it, even if we were ignorant to it, even when we've been hip to it, it doesn't matter. It's there. So don't get distracted by saying, well, what if somebody doesn't understand it? What if somebody doesn't see it? There's plenty of things that are true true, objective truth that we have not come to understand yet, and we will advance and understand them. But that doesn't mean they're not there. You say, but, but can I be held responsible? Okay, let's not talk about that. Let's talk about what we have that we have been given that God has held us responsible for. God has given us a certain revelation of himself. And he has said, I am holding you responsible for knowing this portion of the truth. Now, what you do with it is up to you. But I have revealed it. You say, okay, so subjectivity. Let's talk more about that as it pertains to inception. When we talk about subjectivity, we have to take what Christopher Nolan said. He said, perhaps all levels of reality are equally valid. What he's saying is we're creating dreams within dreams within dreams. And he, and he structures the film in such a way that you don't really know, is this a dream or is it real? And so people go, well, what is he dreaming? Is he not dreaming? And people come to the conclusion that it doesn't matter. It feels real to him that all that matters as long as he's okay with it. That's very subjective. It's based on you and me. And what I'm okay with is different from what you're okay with. So we can be in different levels. We're kind of answering, is this life what we think it is? So, is that true? Are there different levels of subjective reality and are they all equal? The only reality we know is what we perceive? Okay, let me, let me, let me unpack some stuff here, all right? It is true that we are not God and we are limited and we are each unique that means my truth, when I say it that way, when I look at a certain thing, when I look at the world, I look at it and I make, I, I, I perceive it based on my five senses, right? I perceive it based on my senses, how, I, how it looks, how it smells, how it feels, all those things. I, I filter it through my brain, my consciousness and my subconsciousness, which includes all of my experiences, my feelings, my knowledge, the, the, the data that I've, I've gathered throughout my lifetime, right, which is back to experiences, and they're working simultaneously to give me my perception of truth, Okay? And it's going to be different from Declan's. It's going to be different from Miss Carrie's. It's going to be different from, uh, from, from Brother Terry. It's going to be different from every one of us. So we each have our own, and it doesn't really matter. Or does it? Stay with me on this. Because these are the fundamental questions that have been asked for ages, and this is where the devil works. 
This is what Jesus came to set straight. Watch this. Does it matter? You know what I find interesting? That in one breath, Christopher Nolan says, I've kind of shown that it doesn't matter. And yet he proves that it absolutely does matter. In his own film, he proves it. Watch this. Take a, take a look at this film, or this little clip. Now, now you listen to me. If you jump, you're not gonna wake up, remember? You're gonna die, now just, just step back inside. Come on, step back inside so we can talk about this. We've talked enough. Mom. Come out onto the ledge or I'll jump right now. Okay. I'm gonna talk about this. Right? I'm asking you to take a leap of faith. No, honey. No, I can't. You know I can't do that. Take a second, think about our children. Think about James. Think about Philippa now. If I go without you. So what's going on there? Him and his wife are at opposite buildings. And she set it up this way because she wants him to jump with her. And she's trying to convince him that it doesn't matter. That this is not what we think it is. That, that there is no, sub, there's no objective truth. There's no objective reality. That, 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 you know what, we can just live the way. Listen, listen. This is what, the, what we have to understand. When we fail to ground our lives on objective truth, there are serious consequences. We see this in the physical all the time. If a chemist fails to ground his life on real objective truth and just tries to make it up as he goes along, he will blow himself up. If a pharmacist or a doctor, she approaches life with this kind of haphazard, willy-nilly approach of just kind of saying, hey, whatever I determine, when I determine everything is equal, it doesn't matter, it will have grave consequences. It can lead to death. In the spiritual, it can lead to death. Even in the film, you have her, his wife, who has lost touch with what is real. She's lost touch with what is real. And she's, she's, she, she doesn't know if she's in a dream or not. She's constantly trying to, and, and she thinks it doesn't really matter. No, it matters. Can I tell you? It matters. So much that he's saying, don't do it, don't do it. We have children, don't do it. And I was going to show you the entire clip because it's a very, very emotional clip, but I don't want to be criticized like I was on Mother's Day when I show those bad clips, you know, of people dying. And, so, <laughs> and you're like, what are you doing? So, so just trust me. It matters. No, no, stay with me on this. Because you say, well, well then, well, then you're saying that there's got to be, no, watch, watch this. Christopher Nolan goes ahead and says that on one thing, all levels of reality are okay. But then he proves that there is an underlining spiritual gravity that holds us from floating off into space and that gives us context and the ability to move and to actually operate being held together. What is that? How does he prove it? Because he says that everywhere he goes, the question he's asked most often, and he's had some blockbuster hits, is about inception, and it's about the end. Is Dominique in a dream, or is he in real life? And he says, he says, I cannot get away from it. That's the question that's asked over and over and over. People have to know. Why do they have to know? Because it matters. 
because God put eternity in your heart. He put a desire to really know the truth, not to just be okay with whatever, but to absolutely know why, because he is calling for you and he's giving you an opportunity to know him and he wants you to search him. And if you search, you will find, Jesus said. If you search, you will find. And the enemy would love for you to believe that it doesn't matter, but it matters. They ask him over and over and over. Now watch this. This is how it works, okay? When he's in a dream, he has this little top. And somebody goes, ah, spoiler alert, too, too late. He has this little top and he'll spin it. And in a dream, it just continues to spin, never, never falls over. When he's in reality, he spins it and it's okay. Well, he's been trying to get back to his children. At the very end of the movie, he finally gets back to his children. And he spins the top to make sure he's in, he's in real life. Why would he spin the top if it doesn't matter? Oh, it matters. Why would you care? Because it matters. It even matters in a virtual world like a film. It matters. And so you're watching the top, and then he gets distracted with his children, and he goes up, and people say, oh, it didn't matter anymore to him. No, it matters. And then they fade to black before you can tell the truth, and you go, ah! No, no, it matters because objective reality is rich and, and, and reminds us that we're not in control, that there's something bigger than us out there. There's something more happening than just what we can make up in our own minds. Not only that, it's what allows us to be surprised by the beauty of individuality and other people. You know, I, I'm so glad when I look at my wife, she's exquisite and I can't figure her out. I say I want to figure her out, but the fact that we can't figure out our wives is what makes them beautiful, isn't it? Isn't it? You just look at them sometimes and it goes, man, you're amazing. I just, I would never have done that. <laughs> I would never have thought that way. You, you, you keep me on my toes. No, no, this is also shown there. Watch. Listen to what he says. about the corporate espionage. It's about Cobb. It's about the emotional thing that's going on. And he can't get over the fact that, listen, listen to me, he can't get over the fact that when they started this whole thing, they never knew that she would lose her grip of reality and she would end up plunging to her death. And now he's riddled with this, with this hurt. And he keeps going into the dream state and he keeps recreating her. Because he desperately wants to hold on to her. Why? Because real life matters. It matters big time. And relationships matter. Because they're grounded in something more than just our minds. They're grounded in truth. We'll talk more about that in a second. Now watch this. He keeps recreating her and he finally comes to the point where he says, I have to let you go because it matters that you're not real, that it's just, it's just a, 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 an alternate reality where I'm creating you and you're boring. Why? Because I'm boring. And I can only create you the way I think. But you were so much 
more than what I think. So I can't hold on to this image anymore. He lets it go. Can I tell you something? The first inception took place by the master of inception, the devil. And it happened in the Garden of Eden. It happened in the Garden of Eden. Read with me. Genesis chapter 3, verse 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had, had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat of any of the trees in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. Now here comes the inception. You will not certainly die. You won't. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. That means you can discern what's real. You can discern what you consider to be reality. That way you can have your truth and he can have his truth and I can have my truth. And the only thing that matters is what we think is true. That's called inception. You go, well, what's inception? Like I told you. It's putting a thought in someone's mind so well that you make them believe it's their thought. Oh, pastor, my wife's been doing that for years. <laughs> hey, women are good at this because they're smarter than we are, guys. They use more of their brain. And so, so here we have the inception taking place where she begins. No, watch what, she, watch what happens. So when the woman saw the fruit of the tree, that it was good for food, she saw it. It was good for food, that it was pleasing to the eye. It looked good. And also desirable for gaining wisdom to be like God. She took some and did eat. And she gave some to her husband who was there with her, standing right next to her. And then he ate. So they're both guilty. But it started with the inception of the enemy. You say, okay, pastor, well, how does this have to do with the film? See, this is the thing. When the enemy convinces you you don't need God and that your reality is just as valid as his, or that his doesn't exist because there's no such thing as true reality, truth, that you can, then you lose grip and you start floating off. And the more you separate, the more you commit sin. That's called sin. And the more he allows you to engage in this rebellious behavior, this behavior that goes against what God wanted for you, the more, the more guilt comes into play. And guilt is something that every human on earth has to deal with. Because it was put there to remind you there's a God. It's funny how it found its way even into this film. Watch this. What do you feel? Guilt. I feel guilt, Mom. And no matter what I do, no, no matter how hopeless I am, no matter how confused, that guilt is always there. Oh, 
truth? What truth? What truth? The truth is this, that God has set an absolute, an absolute for us. And when we ignore it and we try to live like a law unto ourselves, we will experience guilt and shame and, and regret. And these are the favorite tools of the enemy in our lives to enslave us. See, guilt says I did something wrong. Shame goes a step further and says there's something wrong with me. And he will get you wrapped up in this. And it's interesting because he can't let go of this fact. He's, he's caught. That's what the enemy wants. He wants to drop this inception into your mind so he can enslave you. So he can keep you from truly living. Truly, truly living. This is where we wrap it up, guys. I need you to stay with me. See, Immanuel Kant said, every one of us has a sense of oughtness. A categorical imperative. That's fancy philosophical words for saying we have a sense of right and wrong inside of each and every one of us. And that's what, brings the, that's what causes the guilt. When the enemy tricks us into going against God's sense of right and wrong. That he has put there. Not only does the sense of right and wrong reveal that there is a God, because if there is a sense of right and wrong, that means there is a law, there must be a lawgiver. Let me put it to you this way. C.S. Lewis said, a man doesn't call a line crooked unless he knows what straight is. That means I don't call something good or evil unless I know what I'm talking about and who put it there. God did. He gave me an understanding of this. Now, this is where it all comes to be. All right? See, most people focus on Cobb and his dealings with the corporate espionage. I think it's all about him being trapped in his guilt. And he's kept these secrets that must be extracted. And the film has a very interesting character. He's played by Michael Caine. Michael Caine is Cobb's father-in-law in the film. He sees his 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 son-in-law who's completely trapped in guilt and shame and regret and he keeps recreating and going into these dreams trying to make it trying to make it out on his own and he creates this entire corporate espionage thing as an alternate reality to send a savior in to get him out so that when he comes home he can come home free you can hear it over and over and over in the film. You don't want to die in regret as an old man not having truly lived. Take a leap of faith. You know what? That has to do with God. God is saying, you know what? Stop believing the lie of the enemy. Take a leap of faith. Whoops. Come on out and understand. Listen to me. Understand there's more to life than this lie he's been peddling you. That's why I sent my son, that he might give you the truth, and the truth might set you free, that you're not in control, that the enemy has lied to you, that somehow he's made you think that you can make up your rules, that you can make up and decide on your own. You've made a decision. You say, Pastor, I haven't decided. You just did. You will either love him or you will love God. And it's very simple. His truth says, when you know him and you give your life to him, he will change you from the inside out. He will open your eyes. You will see life with a fresh new perspective. 
you will begin to perceive the spiritual and you will come alive spiritually. And you will be able to see what God has called you to see. That's the gospel message of Easter. That's the gospel message of the cross that we've been lied to. Watch this. This is where I finish. Jesus comes and says, oh, they're saying, get back on this platform. (laughs) What was the inception? You will not die. You can be like God. You can decide. You can choose your own reality. And then she saw what? That it was good for food, lust of the flesh. She saw that it was pleasing to the eye, lust of the eyes. And that it was able to make her like God, pride, pride of life. That's what Jesus came to say. This world and its fakeness is all passing away. But if you do the will of the Father, if you come alive to the truth that is in his word, that is absolute truth, you will live forever. And it's about relationships. It's about your relationship with God first, and then your relationship with other people. I'm starting to see this more and more. It's not about the stuff here on earth. It's not about the prestige or accolades or any of that nonsense. It's about who does God say I am? How have I come to know him? Because that relationship of faith, I will take into glory with me. My relationship with my children, my relationship with you, that's why I give my life away to serve this church, to build her, to, to, to love on her, to, to, just, to just be faithful. Why? Because at the end of the day, I'm coming to a, to a clear understanding of what is real. And what is real is not this earth. It's what's waiting for me. It's what's waiting for me. So I saw this illustration, and it's a Francis Chan illustration. I'm going to ask for a young person. Come on. Yeah, Logie. Okay, be careful now. All right, I need you to grab the end. And this is going to represent life, okay? We're talking about reality. We're talking about life. You know, life is not just what you see here in in the here and now. But life goes beyond the here and now, does it not? There's a physical world and then there's a metaphysical world. Can I tell you, the green represents the physical. The white represents the metaphysical or the life that we will live through eternity. And I want you to just run through those doors right there. Just run so you have no more rope. And we're going to believe that life goes on everlasting. That means there is no end. Oh, I better hurry. Logie is not going to slow down for me. Keep going. Keep going. We're, I mean, he's just going to keep going. Guys, you probably won't see your kid anymore. In a minute, he's going to hit the, he's going to hit the, uh, the, the highway. And then at the highway, he's going to have to make a decision. He either goes towards Austin or he goes towards Houston. If he goes towards Houston, he'll hit I-10 and he'll have to make another decision. Where does he go from there? If he goes towards Houston, that's a bad decision, but I always say Houston's a good place to be from, not in. So if he goes towards Houston, eventually he's going to make another decision. Is he going to get wet or is he not? Right? Because he's going to hit the coastline. And he's going to have to just keep going because life goes on ever living for eternity. But the enemy has incepted our mind, has put an inception in our mind to make us think that it's all about here and now. It's all about this green part. This green part represents life 
here on this earth. This is what, what we live for, isn't it? Now, I, I want to ask you this. this and, and I got this illustration. Did I say that? I got this illustration from my uh, Francis Chan. He rocked my world, and so I figured I'd rock yours. All right? And, and this yellow part is what everyone is working so hard for. You know what that yellow part is? Retirement. Woohoo! Joel, retirement, baby, you can see it. So you work so hard for this little sliver? What's wrong with this picture? There's an inception where you focus on just the here and now, where you think that reality is all about this. Can I tell you, Jesus Christ said, I have come to set you free. I have come to share the truth with you. I might come, have come that you might have life, that you might learn how to live it in abundance, that you might live it fully, that you might truly, truly, truly grasp the magnitude of, of what, cre- what I created you for, more than just this. And, and the other day someone asked me, Pastor, are you prepared for retirement? What's the church, church doing? I said, well, we're kind of behind because I've been busy doing other stuff, but, but you know, I, I, I'm going to work that out. Right now, I'm not too worried about that. I'm worried about pouring into people. I'm worried about relationships. I'm worried about building what God has called me to build. Say, are you, that's stupid. That's dumb. You, you, you know that, that you're supposed to. I said, yeah, I'm a finance major. I know you're supposed to invest for this little yellow thing. Uh, uh, well, Baylor didn't do such a good job. <laughs> Can I tell you, no, Baylor did a fine job, but the Lord did a better job. Because the Lord is reminding me day in and day out, you work your tail off, not for this little piece of yellow. You work so that you can receive the inheritance I have in store for you. You're working for this right here. Right, Logie? You're working for this, right? This is what you're working for. Why would you spend all of this time just for this? When you can have this, God says, let me share something with you. When your eyes are open, you will begin to see life for what it truly is, that I have come to set you free, that you would no longer be in the rat race, that you would no longer be completely uh, bound by the idea that it's all about what I see, that I somehow think this is going to last. Oh, come on now. Lord, set us free. Thank you, Logan. Set us free. This is where I finish. And I want to share with you very, 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 very clearly. The Lord sent Jesus Christ into this lost and dying world to bring a message of hope. I have more for you. Because when you look at this world, you can't help but think, man, is this all there is? No, God is saying, I have so much more. And there's no end to me, so there will be no end to heaven. There's no end to my creativity, so there will be no end to heaven's creativity. There will, there's no end to what I can wow you with. Therefore, you will forever be wowed. You will have experiences. You like to travel? There's no end to what I can create for you to travel and explore and see. I have a paradise prepared for you if you will only trust me. And Jesus Christ came and said, I came, I died on a cross so that you might be free. You're guilty, you feel guilt, you feel shame, you feel regret, you feel lost, you feel these these emotions of, of conflict. Bring them to me, Jesus said. That's why I came. 
He says, bring me your hurts, bring me your pains, bring me your regrets, bring me all of this. You know, it's interesting that even the world knows this. Before Cobb could really, really love his children, he had to be let, he had to be freed from that stuff. You want to truly live? And do it Jesus' way. And get free. With every head bowed and every eye, eye closed. My invitation is simple. If the Holy Spirit has spoken to you today and your eyes are open and you say, oh man, I see the inception of the enemy. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Set me free. Let me receive that gift of life. Forgiveness of my sins that you might, Father, wash me free from guilt. That you might wash me free from shame that regret would be gone and that I might truly be able to enter into relationships in fullness and wholeness, then that's me. I'm gonna raise my hand and ask for prayer. With every head bowed, if that's you, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand. Wow, I see hands going up all over this place. I feel there's someone in this room that, that is holding back and yet they know in their heart, I, I, I wanna raise my hand. There's nobody watching, just you and God. I'm going to ask you to raise it so I can pray for you. I see your hand. I see your hand. Father, in Jesus' name, you see the countless hands that are raised. And I pray, God, that right now you would reveal truth like only you can. That you would give us a vision, your vision. That you would give us a conviction to not... Father, believe that we can somehow do it in our strength. That we can make it up, that we can lose sight and be okay of real truth. Because you are real truth. And you invaded time and space to show us that. And so this day we receive your son. We confess him as Lord and Savior. Lord Jesus, we give you our guilt, our shame, our hurt, and we ask you to set us free from the forgiveness of sin. Forgive us of our sin. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I love you, Foundation. Have a great, great week. Come on.